Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Mike Tanner, and today I am joined with part of the Divine Renovation team. We've got a good solid part of the team here today. Uh, so uh, first member of the team I'm going to introduce, our Director of Coaching, Ron Huntley. Ron, thanks for being here today. Good to be here, Mike. Uh, across the table from me, we have a guest that we have allowed to come back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to bribe my way onto set today. It was really weird. <laughs> it, it was a little strange, but uh, our, our president, uh, Dan O'Rourke, and we have one of our coaches, Rob McDowell. Hello, Mike. Thanks for being here today, Rob. Great to be here. He's really excited that you're here, I noticed. The rest of us, he, he kind of I said I was very through. excited that Ron was here, and I said I was very excited that Rob was here, and let's <laughs> oh, just carry on from there. Dagger uh, in my heart. <laughs> so uh, today, I, we have part of our team, and I actually want to talk about that specifically. Today, I, I want to ask the question of us is, why is parish leadership a team sport? Specifically, why do we lead into teams at DR? What is it about teams that's so important to the process that we do. Rob, why are teams something that we lean into so specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think primarily because, uh, I think this is always true, but I think particularly as culture gets a little bit more challenging, a single leader doesn't have all the skills, gifts, and abilities needed to lead an organization well. And uh, I think, you know, we have blind spots, we have certain skills, but not all the skills and so it's necessary to have people around you in order to um, create that needed balance within the team. You know, nobody, you know, one of the things I say, nobody has 360 degree perspective on all issues all the time. Mm. And so having other people around you, helping you make the decisions, helping you move forward is critical if you're going to lead a, a church forward in a way that's going to make a difference. I think, too, there's a difference between having staff or key volunteers and having a team. Because I know at St. Benedict, the reason we talk into it and teach into it is because we didn't do it. And it was a miserable disaster. <laughs> and it almost caused a complete and total collapse. And it wasn't until we changed our structure and changed our paradigm and started learning how to lead out of a team that we became healthy and sustainably fruitful. And so I know when we coach into things, that's one of our, we won't coach a pastor who's not willing to work out of a team because we know what we do works. And when it works, if you aren't raising up leaders, you're in a world of pain. Uh, I'm talking a world of pain. You think maintenance is painful. Try mission without a team. <laughs> that's painful. <laughs> so that's why it's so important. So when you're, so we, we know that we need a team. How do we, how do we get the right people as part of that team? Because we, we know we have people that want to be involved. We know we have people that are involved in the church, but how do we, how do we differentiate between staff that we have and, and people who lead it, how do we find the right I think, people? So I, I would challenge the, the, the underlying assumption that we know that we need a team. I think a lot of people listening don't. I think a lot of people actually would, would say exactly what Ron was just touching on, which is they might be looking for doers to execute the things that they've got in their head. And that's totally different then, then the answer I would give to your question, Mike, which is how do you how do you get a team of leaders who can lead things? Because the, the people I would recruit to do things are not necessarily the same, not necessarily the same as the people I would want to lead things. And I think what 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 we what we're naming in in the need for a team is a team of leaders who can lead the things. Otherwise, you've got uh, it's like a wheel, right? You, you become a hub and spoke system where everything's going back to that one single leader who is holding all the things in in his or her head and trying to make all the things happen. And so. You know, and that's that's the pain, Ron, that you were starting to touch on, right? Because as soon as you start going on mission, everything's getting more complicated. And if it's all coming back to, to Father So-and-so, Father So-and-so is going to get awfully tired. And we see it all the time because even the 
even the the churches that decide to to make that commitment to being coached and joining the network and all the things that go along with that, they don't all change their paradigm around raising up others right away. Because it's hard. You've been doing something the same way for your whole life. That's your models. That's how you were trained. You've seen, you know, and so it takes a while. And that's a painful shift. And it was a painful shift at St. Benedict Parish too, because we often hire people because they're good at doing something. Where you get somebody with yeah. a master's degree in theology yeah. who's going to be your DRE, and then that's the that's the place they see themselves forever, and so they're actually really good at doing, and and we had to shift because you can't hire all your problems away. Mm-hmm. We we don't have unlimited resources, and so we had to transition staff from being doers of ministry to leaders of ministry, and that was challenging. It was really hard, but it was what I loved about that journey for us when at St. Benedict was that the willingness for people to go there. And that requires trust. That's that's not a matter of saying, this is what you need to do now. It's a matter of coming alongside of people, help let them catch you loving them and caring for them, and then drawing them to something different and working with them along the way. And that's why regular meetings with your key people are so important because this stuff is hard. Hmm. How do we help pastors who are, who are used to holding you know, all the keys and all the things, how do we help them relinquish some of that control? Like what are the, some of the things we do in, when we're coaching pastors that help them support that team by, by allowing that team to function? How, so how you change the language. The first thing I would say is I wouldn't, I would, I would let go of this relinquish control and I would, I would go to delegate leadership, mm-hmm. right? So like, how do you empower people around you to lead, which is indeed, I mean, you are relinquishing control, but you're also relinquishing burden. You're also relinquishing responsibility. You're sharing those things. You're sharing leadership. You're sharing responsibility. You're giving space for others to step up and in into leadership roles. So I would say the first th- first thing I would say is let's let's understand what we're actually asking. We're inviting people to take on leadership only because the leadership mantle has grown. Mm-hmm. And so as, as the mantle grows, we need the team to grow in order to balance that off. And so I, I think, you know, first is, my first step would be to, to, to challenge some of the underlying language we might want to use to being one of, of empowerment and one of, of, of shared leadership. And I think that makes it actually a whole lot easier to do because now it's not about, well, I thought I was in charge to uh, now it's like, well, oh man, I've got all these cool leaders that I'm <laughs> raising up around me, which, you know, allows me to feel like, uh, you know, this whole way, way more things can be done and done well. Yeah. To your question, you said, how do you get, how do you get pastors changed? If I heard you correctly. Mm-hmm. And typically uh, the, the, the pain of how they're leading mm-hmm. is the number one motivator. Cause typically everybody is, they're always maxed out time-wise because everybody's banging on the door of father. Everybody wants a decision. Everybody has a complaint. Uh, and then they come and they say, well, how am I supposed to do all this stuff that you guys are talking about? Right? And it's like, okay, well, let's talk about structure. Let's talk about priorities. And let's talk about who you're going to support and who has access to you. Right? And that's, it, it, for, for me, generally, it's the pain points of recognizing that you're already doing more than you can do. And you're not even moving ahead yet. And now, now you want me to spend all this time investing in other people and new, these new initiatives, and you want me to find someone to alpha, and uh, you know, you want, you want me to spend more than you know thirty minutes preparing my homily, and you know, uh, you know, all this sort of stuff, right? And it's like, how you do that? Well, the only way you can do that is if you're willing to restructure and bring a team around you mm-hmm. that's going to start leading and uh, raising up other leaders. And I don't want to go past that. I, I want to challenge people based on what you just said because it was gold. I just want to reset. So. You know, a, a priest needs to look at who has access to them. What were they? Who has access to them? How they're spending their time? What they're doing for minutes? Like all those things. I would challenge our listeners, both the pastors and the people that are closest to them. 
how's your pastor doing or how are you doing on a scale of 1 to 10 in that area? And whatever the number is, what do you need to do to grow that number closer to 10? Mm. And, and really stop. Take inventory, be honest with yourself and give yourself a number and then show it to your team members and say, I think I'm a five. And to be honest with you, I don't even know how to get to a nine and allow people to help you get there because you'll probably not get there on your own because you'll feel too guilty because your paradigm of ministry is I have to be there for everyone. Only the priest can say the prayers. Only the priest can do this. Only the priest can do that. There are things that only a priest can do, but there's a lot of things that other baptized people can do as well. And so... Get help because I guarantee you, uh, 90% of you will not get there on your own. You're going to need help and permission. And that's where a team too, Mike, uh, can be so helpful because they can help alleviate the guilt that comes with shifting the way that you lead. Because that's a real thing. It's an emotional thing and it's challenging. Yeah. How do you, I mean, so so we we know that we need them. I, I love the idea that the answer is, how can I do all this stuff? Well, you can't. So I guess you're going to have to figure out another way to do it. Uh, you, you just can't. End of story. Let's go. Uh, so I love that idea. And uh, but the, So the question is, we've identified, okay, we're, we're going to lift up people around us uh, and with us that, that can do that. But how do we specifically, as a pastor looks around his, his parish or the community or the larger community in general, how do we start to identify the right people that belong in those leadership or that, that we can that we can help lift up as leaders versus some of those people that we think are, will be amazing people who can do things or, or people who can support. How do, we, how do we physically do that? We often talk about, and it's a great thing to talk about, is understand how you're hardwired, what you're good at, what you're not good at, and bring people around you that have, we talk about the four non-negotiables in, mm-hmm. in the guidebook about unanimity of vision, the ability to enter into healthy conflict, uh, the, the maturity to to lean into vulnerability-based trust. What's the fourth one, Robbie? Um. <laughs> <laughs> and the fourth one. And it'll come <laughs> that's to us the best one. It is the best one. <laughs> but the bottom line is, that's all, oh, diversity of strengths. That's right. <laughs> diversity right. of strengths. And so that's all really important. Um, but sometimes we overemphasize the diversity of strengths. And what that can miss sometimes is chemistry. And so what I've been saying recently as I help people wrestle with this, because it's a really important question, is one, you have to invest in people. You have to, and I know one of our our churches in Australia, the pastor invited people to his house for Alpha. And he was very intentional about who he invited. And it was through that Alpha experience over 11 weeks that he figured out, you know, who he wanted to invite on his leadership team mm-hmm. because he invested in those relationships and from that he got to know people better. And that's way better than getting somebody to do a strength finder test and saying, oh, you have influence. Good, I don't. Can you join my team? Because you're going to want to make sure that you have chemistry with these people too. That's right. And, and that's the unanimity of vision. So don't underestimate that. In fact, I've been telling pastors, I often ask this question and, and for you listeners, you'll, you'll, you'll want to reflect on this. Think about a time in your life where you belong to something, a team of some sort, whether it was at school, sports, work, doesn't matter, where things were going well, you were having a lot of fun and you were successful. Mm -hmm. And seriously, think about that and put yourself back in that situation. And here's the next question. Who was it on that team who brought the best out in you? What was their name? What is it about them that, that made you better? And what would they say about you? And whatever their name is, let's say their name is Jack, then you need a Jack on your leadership team. 
and you and Jack figure out how to fill those other ones around you. Or for us at, at St. Benedict, we had a consultant, uh, Brent Dolfo, who helped mm-hmm. us to use the Berkman's method of, of psychometrics and really helped us design the team. Um, so, so those are some things. But I would say start with somebody that, that you can really connect with and then build out from there. And I think there's two there's two angles you can look at the problem. I think you know I think we're doing it the right way by talking about well you know the pastor's got to figure out uh, who he needs around him. The second part though, and I think this might be just as important. Uh, there's a number of our listeners who aren't pastors, aren't priests, mm-hmm. um, but are, are, are perhaps active in their parish. But if you're listening to this podcast, whether you're active or not, you know your parish is terribly important. You know you're not you don't listen to this podcast unless you get how important your parish is. And you might be listening feeling like I've got a whole bunch of leadership strengths. And I I might feel like I'm a natural or innate leader that God's given me gifts to be a good leader. But if you haven't stepped up in any way, if you haven't even made it possible for for, for your pastor, parish priest to to recognize you and to see those gifts in you, then you might be doing a disservice to to your entire parish because your parish pastor, your priest is going to need, uh, he's going to need great people around him, whether they're on a senior leadership team or any of the other various teams in the parish. And so, you know, you've got to find a way to, to mobilize your gifts inside of a parish uh, whether that and that can be super small. Like I'm not proposing that you know th- this isn't. A, I'm going to tell the pastor what to do. No, no, no. Please do not do that. Uh, but but volunteer the volunteer your gifts. Give your gifts back to the parish in ways that can be meaningful and impactful. It's a great point because if you want to be seen as a leader, then be a great servant. Amen. Mm-hmm. Right. Join a ministry and and pour yourself into it and love the people around you and encourage the people around mm-hmm. you. Be a a beam of light in whatever ministry that you're engaged with. And at some point, because here's the other struggle that people can have if they see themselves as a leader and somebody, I could make a difference in this church. I've seen people come to me and basically say, this is who I am. These are my credentials. This is what I should be doing. To which I really quickly say, I don't think so. Because it just lacks humility. Mm. It lacks humility. And so, you know, serve and serve well. Mm. And eventually um, you may, because you may not, you may be recognized as somebody who can make a difference and be invited into a bigger leadership position. But the other thing is this, sometimes our intent and our impact aren't the same and there's a gap, but we are blind to it. And so sometimes from a chemistry perspective, or if I've kind of come at Rob a few different ways and he's the pastor and he, he sees me coming and he just inside goes, oh, great, brace yourself. And you, he's not, he's too kind to tell you how much you irritate him. And the people around you know that you irritate him and probably others, but nobody's going to tell you because it's one of your blind spots. And sometimes we think too much of ourselves and we assert ourselves in ways that are really unhelpful and people are too nice to tell us. And so there's a balance there. And that's why personal prayer is so important. That's why you're, you know, calling on the Holy Spirit and and diving into scripture daily because God's going to reveal things in you and areas of growth and maturity. And so sometimes it can be a balance. And sometimes you might even want to say to people, Father, I don't know if I've always come at you in ways that are helpful. And I think maybe sometimes I've been pushing my agenda and not listening to yours. And that's probably driven a wedge between us. And I want to repent of that. And I want to ask for your forgiveness. And I want to listen. What is your vision? And if there's any ways that you think I might be useful or helpful, I want you to know that I'd be open to hearing that. And just hit the restart button. A lot of times that shift, like that shift to say, okay, it's a rarity that we don't want to help. It's just we sometimes don't know how. We don't know how to, when we talk about that unanimity of vision, sometimes we're like, I I don't know what my role is in this. So when when you can start to talk to the leaders and say, how can I help you do this? You all of a sudden find out, 
They absolutely want you to help. Yes. They just don't want you to beat the door down and be yelling at them about stuff that that's totally different. And that's such a different experience. <laughs> I think it's, and, and there's so, I, I can think even in our own parish, uh, so many times we're, we're looking for great leaders. Uh, and, you know, what I, what I know, it, our parish is fairly large, right? And so what I know is there's lots of talent in, in, inside those pews, right? There's lots of it there. And what I recognize even still, and granted our parish continues to grow, but even still there's untapped potential oh in those God, pews absolutely. of people who have either, uh, you know, innate gifts or, or, or backgrounds or skills that, that, Holy smokes! Could could help that parish have even greater impact, but you know they're sitting there not not knowing how to give of themselves, uh, and 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 the and the parish isn't built to 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 to, to reach into each individual in a, in a very clear way. Like the you know the pastor can't possibly know all these people by name and number and and their backgrounds. Like at most there's a, there's a handshake occasionally, but I mean so there's 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 just so much opportunity there, but both sides have to be willing to, to step into it. We, you know, the, the actual leadership of the parish structure has to be open to, to inviting people into leadership. And those people in the pews have to be willing to step up and give of themselves into leadership. Yeah. Starting with what I loved you yeah. said there is, is that starting with a notion of, of service and servanthood, I think that is so right on Ron. And I really do believe that that's the best place to start because <clears throat> that's how you know you're going to get good leaders. Mm-hmm. The mistake I see people do all the time is they find people with these great backgrounds, these very intelligent, maybe they've done really well in business or in, in, in whatever field they're in, and they pull them in as a leader. And that's a mistake. It's a mistake because they'll often let you down because their commitment won't be there. And that's why I always say too, look for people who've had a conversion. Look for people whose lives have been transformed by Christ. And that's why Alpha is so foundational to what we do because it gives you the opportunity to get to know people over 11 weeks. It gives them an opportunity to re-encounter Christ in a way that's probably going to be new and, and to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we invite them back on team, which is ministry. Yeah. And we invite them back, even if they have all the leadership capacity, like Dan's our president and CEO. And what did he do when I invited him back? Helper. Cleared the table of dishes, yeah, right. sat quietly and prayed. Did I know he had more capacity than that? Of course I knew he had more capacity than that. But I wanted to see, did he have the humility to serve? And so Alpha in and of itself went done properly. And we're turning over team like crazy so that we can make mm-hmm. more room for, that's where it becomes the pipeline. Yeah. It builds conversion right into it or deeper conversion or deeper commitment built right into it. And then you're working with them in ministry. So you see, are they faithful? To the process? Are they available? Is there yes, yes? Are they contagious? <clears throat> are people connecting with them? And are they teachable? Mm-hmm. Can they mm-hmm. receive feedback? And if if those things are true, and I'm getting to know them and fall in love with them, and there's a mutual respect growing, my guess is you'll know who you'll you'll be far better yeah. able. But to it, it goes a step further. Not only is it is a great radar, but it actually begins to form those leaders because yeah. what does it does? It forms them as uh, look. It sets the expectations. A leader in, in our parish is someone who serves. And yes. so when you come back on team to serve as a helper, understand that this isn't just because it's a task that needs to be done. No, no, no. Yes. It's, a, it's quintessential to the leadership formation that we expect of our parishioners as, as they look to enter into leadership inside of our parish community. And so I think it sets the, it sets the bar in exactly the right place and exactly the right time. And I think it just, it, it, it does become foundational to having a great leadership pipeline inside of a well, parish. Part of what it does as well is it helps people understand the culture. Right. Because you could be a very high capacity person and walk in day one and think, you know, I want to start using my gifts and abilities here. And it could be a train wreck if you don't understand the culture. So Mm -hmm. true. Right. You know, and and a lot of times, you know, 
if, if you don't understand the dynamics of culture, it's like, well, 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 you know, I was leading at this level in my last parish and they're asking mm-hmm. me to step down here. There's that humility piece to it, but there's that stepping in and growing into it as well that, you know, you mentioned forming, but part of forming is understanding and experience in the culture. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing like, you know, you know, we'd take road trips or something. You know, if you take a road trip, even with your family or whatever, you unite around memories because you've done something different. And Alpha's a little bit like that. You know, yeah. it's a journey that you're going on for 11 weeks where I guarantee you things are going to happen in that 11 weeks that you didn't see coming. And it's going to form you around those people that you shared that common experience with. And it gives you a common language, which is so helpful as we, to your point, Rob, continue to help people understand the culture. But God himself, through the power of the Holy Spirit, helps you to understand what your call is and what our your call is and the church's call is to be missional. And so God himself starts speaking into people in ways that you as a leader uh, can only compliment because it's his voice that we want people to hear the loudest, not your pastors, not mine, not the podcasts. <laughs> you guys are good though. But, you know, it, it really is the voice of Jesus Christ that we want people to hear. And he reprioritizes things for people and puts purpose and meaning back into the beauty of our life. And that's what we want for people. Well, when we think of the the, the subtitle of your book, mm-hmm. Raising Up Leaders, mm-hmm. it's not dropping leaders into place. It's not finding right. leaders and, and sort of plopping them in place. And that can that can lead to a lot of distrust. It can lead to a, lo- a lot of different situations, I think, long-term. That when we talk about our, our ability to be humble and our ability to be, uh, you know, our ability to work with those things. One of the things we talk about all the time, too, is the, the need to have tough conversations. And now I have to have the tough conversation to tell you that we are officially <laughs> out of time on today's podcast. Uh, so I wanted to, uh, I, I, look, you're going to, you were, we'll have this discussion offline later. Maybe. Man, who's in charge one, here? This is not fair. Like, this is. So, <laughs> so I'd like to really thank everyone who joined us today for this discussion. And, and if, uh, if you're having, uh, you know, if, if you want to know more about how to uh, how to raise up leaders in your parish, uh, definitely connect with us. Uh, tune in next week, and we'll always have more information on how you can continue to do this work inside your parish. God bless. Thanks for listening. Stay up to date on all things Divine Renovation by signing up for our e-newsletter. You'll receive updates about the ministry, links to videos, and exclusive offers. Visit divinerenovation.net to sign up.